Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. All right. Hey, everybody. This is Brian Smith. I'm back with another episode of Grief to Growth. And I've got with me today for the second time, uh, my friend Isabella Johnson. And a lot of people already know who Isabella is, but I'm going to read a short introduction. Then we're going to have a conversation. Um, Isabella is an evidential certified medium. She's a medical intuitive. She's a grief recovery specialist, and she's a remote viewer. Isabella has committed her life to providing healing and comfort to the bereaved. Uh, Isabel allows herself to be a pure channel for those in spirit wishing to have a continuing conversation or closure with the loved ones still in the physical. And as a medical intuitive, she can locate areas in the body where past or current trauma now manifests as illness and or disease and help release the symptoms. She's able, Isabella is able to see the soul, the highest point in her physical body, and she reminds her clients of their true soul's purpose in this life. She brings compassion and empathy to every reading. Her approach is very matter-of-fact and non-judgmental. And Isabella is a fellow angel mom. Isabella's daughter passed into spirit. And so her, her ability to reconnect parents with her children and other loved ones in spirit provides com- comfort, healing, and hope. Isabella is also a spiritualist, and she firmly believes that each of our souls survived the transition that we know as death and that we will reunite again and, and endeavors to bring evidence to those, in, that, to those in spirit are always with us. So with that, I want to welcome uh, Isabella Johnson. Isabella, I really appreciate you being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Brian. Thank you. It's it's a real honor to have you. You are um, an incredible medium. You're an incredibly mm-hmm. compassionate person. I know you've helped so many parents on this journey. Uh, you and I both have you know children in spirit, so we can't, we know what that's like. Yeah. And because I deal with so many parents, and this is not just for parents. I want, but I want to talk a lot about parents because a lot of times with parents we have kind of special, I think, things with with our when our kids transition. Are they okay? You know, will they grow up? You know, will I see them again? Will I will they recognize me? Those types of questions. So the reason I ask you here today is because I get so many people that just don't have a really good handle on what the spirit world is like. Right. It's just kind of it's nebulous. It's kind of like, you know, are they in the clouds? What are they doing all day? And so I want to explore that with you today. I know it's a big question, but let's start with what is it like? Okay, that's the number one question that I think everybody asks is what do they do all day? What is it like? And and everybody has a slightly different experience with a lot of commonalities. Um, for me, I do not think I'll call it heaven. That's a word everybody's very familiar with. It's it's not a far away place in the sky, in the clouds. To me, when I'm out, this hopefully we'll get back to normal with COVID very soon. But when I'm typically out in the world, uh, walking around, and I'm seeing living people coming toward me, you've got three, four, five people in spirit all around you. So I do not believe that the afterlife is this faraway place. It appears to just be another plane or dimension very, very, very close to our own. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's another thing people may not know about you. You actually see people in spirit. I do. I do. I see them outside of myself. They look like you and I to me. Actually, I think they look more alive, more real to me. Um, Living people, I see an aura around them. So it's a lot of colors, but with people in spirit, I mean, fine details of what they look like. They are able to hold that shape while I'm speaking with them. 
Okay. So when, when people do pass in the spirit, now we've heard things like, okay, I'm just a, they're a, I'm a ball of light or I, you know, I don't have a body. Um, you know, are those things true or, or how is that? Um, well, I cannot speak across the board for every experience. That, that's something I'm just not comfortable doing. But again, sure. when I am doing a reading, when I'm with a client um, and oftentimes now everything's on zoom or Skype or FaceTime, I will see the loved one coming toward me and they literally, I can do every physical description of what they look like, how tall they are, weight. In addition to me seeing them, sometimes they'll tell, tell me to say something like, oh, tell them we've lost weight or gained weight or this part of my body is no longer injured or hurting or diseased. Um, I think that for the most part, we do kind of maintain a physical characteristic, especially in the times when I'm working or it does also seem to be very relevant when they're getting when when someone in the physical is getting ready to transition, everyone in spirit seems to know that plus minus about two weeks. So they have informed me that they really take back on that strong physical form in that time, just so they're easily recognizable when we do transition. As far as holding the shape the entire time, holding the physical appearance, I do not know that that is something that is done. I can't speak to that across the mm-hmm. board, but it does seem that that is that is something that they're easy, capable of doing or easy to kind of recreate for us as well, too. Mm-hmm. But they are when I had an NDE 13 years ago, I remember seeing my daughter and she looked exactly the same. There was no difference. It was as if no time had passed. Um, so I, I do think that we maintain that. And certainly no one is lost into a big ball of light that I've ever seen. That That's just not, I've never had that experience at all, ever. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, we sometimes think, you know, we hear these these kinds of scriptures, and we feel we're, we're going to miss something, right? So we're all like, I'm 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 going to be missing my body. I'm going to miss the, I, you know, being able to hug people or right. Stuff oh like no, that. no, and the, and to me, it seems like they merge. So it's it's even a bigger connection than we would have here in the physical. Um, you'll so, sometimes I'll do a different population than children. Sometimes when a widow will pass, and they'll talk about feeling or when. They'll talk about feeling that loved one, and it's almost as if they pass through us. Um, sometimes people can have some intimate experiences with someone in spirit, a spouse or a partner, something like that. But with children, it's it's like a warm embrace. It, sometimes they talk about kissing the face, or feel, and to me, it's very visual. So I see it. I don't know what your experience would be with that, but there is no problem at all that I've ever encountered that we would not recognize each other or be able to connect with each other in some really deep, very deep way. So much more so than even we have here in a physical body. Yeah. And do you think, because you kind of alluded to this, can people change their appearance when they're in the spirit world? Do we, do we evolve? Not that that I've encountered. I mean, immediately after we pass, we really do keep a lot of physical characteristics. We have a sense of our higher self or, or the part that we came from or who we truly are, but that we don't seem to change that much. I think mm-hmm. I get a lot of personality traits, like who you were, things that you liked, relationships that seems to come through. That never seems to fade away or ends. There's always a big connection. Um, probably shared this story before. Most of my clients would have heard this because it's just one of the ones that's just most amazing to me. I have a client who lost her daughter almost a decade ago, and I talked to her just about every month. And the mom had some um, traumatic brain injury. And she doesn't have a lot of memory. So her daughter will come in every month and talk about everything that her mom has done that month, the relevant things, even small. My mom spilled her cup of coffee this morning. My mom stubbed her toe. Just they seem to be very connected with us, very aware of everything that goes on here. And I see her daughter just the same way that her her mom did. So it's very neat. And sometimes, however, let me correct myself with that. The daughter has seemed to age up. Over the mm-hmm. last couple of years, like she'll go, now I'm 14 and look at how tall I am or tell her I'm this tall or I look this way now. And she does. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes she's also able to be that little girl that I saw when she first passed. So that's a tricky one. I can't answer that completely. Mm-hmm. But that's how it has been for me so far. I think I, I do not have any concern that we would have recognition of our loved one when we also transition. That is not a concern I've ever felt at all or or can't find them or somewhere they'll be lost to us or that we lose them or that we can bother them in some way. False. Absolutely false. Yeah, I think I think parents um, again, we're going to we're going to I'm going to talk about parents a lot, but this we want to keep it general right. as much as we can. But when, when we lose a, a child, my daughter was 15 when she passed, you know, so, you know, who knows how long it'll be before I see her. I don't right. I don't want to see her at 45 when I die, you know, uh, or people right. that have had a child, a, a baby, you know, that's, that's right. passed and they remember them as, say, two or three. 
you know, they, they might feel like, oh, I'm missing something because they're growing up without me. Well, they, they really seem, well, in my situation, I saw my child exactly as she looked and it had been 15 years. So there was, uh, you know, and that was a concern of mine as well, too. Even the work that I do, am I going to recognize you? Am I going to know you? And for me, that was just such a comforting, reassuring experience, seeing her exactly as I had. And mm-hmm. I wasn't over there very long, five minutes. So I can't tell you that that would be my experience forever. But I knew at that moment, I could never, ever, ever be separate from her. And that's something everybody in spirit had told me, but you can't grasp it until you have that experience yourself. For me, there's nothing, no doubt, no fear, no questioning at this point in my life that I know that I will see everyone that I love again, exactly as I knew them here. Now we're going to change over there, but I know that immediate connection, that reunion, and that's exactly what it is. It is the best family reunion you could ever imagine. Magnify your best one here ever by a million. And that's what it is like in spirit. Yeah. And and the reason I want to bring that up, because I think sometimes people feel like when I'm spending time here, I'm missing out, you know, and I'm I'm going to miss this. And and I've heard, I've heard, again, especially parents express Mm -hmm. this, you know, I'm missing out on what's going on with them. Um, and so that's a concern I want to address. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back. And I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. Well, sometimes it is true that sometimes we are we continue to grow and have experience in spirit. But as far as missing out, I think that's really a human fear. It, it doesn't seem to translate into spirit. They seem very confused, fluxing by that at all. What do they think we're missing? We're still here. We could never be separate. So their understanding is vastly different and larger than ours, which is, you know, confined to being in a body. We have our senses here. And if my child wasn't around me for 15 years, but was still here, I would have those same questions. I think, what are you doing? How are you? What do you, right. what do you look like now? So I understand it, but that is something that really doesn't seem to translate to anyone in spirit. They seem very confused by that thought or that question. Yeah. What are you missing? We're not missing anything. We're just not. I think it's a a different perspective from them because talking to you and talking to other mediums that are friends of mine, they know what's going on with us. It's like they are still very involved in our lives. Has that been your experience? A million percent. And more so because we're not, you know, ego, ego doesn't seem to go over there either. Super ego is not there. There's a lot of id that's there. So it's the unique part of ourselves. We don't try to, we're very honest over there. We're very forthright about our shortcomings and our successes as well, too. And hmm. and they seem to, not that they detach from us at all, because that's impossible, but they do seem to have an understanding that we will get through this somehow. Even if we don't get through it the way that we want, we expected it to look, we do survive it. And they seem to know that. So there's a big picture that they have over there. So the little concerns of day-to-day life that we might feel, it's not been my experience that they share those. Yeah, a different perspective because they kind of know everything's going to be right, okay. Right, right. We're, we're still, I mean, we're still yeah, stuck on the answers just, to the final exam. They've completed that. They're there. They know, oh, this wasn't exactly what we expected it to be. It's better. It's absolutely better for them. But, you know, for parents, there's a lot of ways to connect with the kids. Um, I think I think people that expect to have those regular conversations and have it be exactly the same as it was when, when our loved one is here. That might be a slight adjustment that, that we need to make on that. But to continuing the relationship, certainly it's wanted. It's 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 something that's hoped for. Yeah. And I don't think, especially as a parent, that we can cut that out or, or diminish that in any way. There's always that longing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, in, in the work that I do with, again, especially parents, but also with other people, we want to keep that relationship going. Mm-hmm. And we have learned that we can. But. I think there can be a problem when people think it's going to be just like it was when they right. were here, especially right away. So let's, right. let's address oh, no, that. Not right away. It's it's very anomalous for it to be that way. You'll get a lot of good signs, typically, sometimes a dream or two, you'll, because there's excitement. They know where they are, their home. There's no question over there. And I think the one complaint that I have for people in spirit is maybe just the assumption that we should get that as well, too. Um, that's a real frustration. My people in spirit will be like, don't they know I'm okay? I'm like, did you know someone you loved was okay when you were here? Wasn't there a missing in you? And they kind of go, 
oh yeah, it's a little reminder to them that's the part of being in a body. But it does seem to take, you know, I don't want to go for everybody because some people immediately start to have those conversations and relationships continue. But for most of us, it's a couple years sometimes before we can reach that. Um, for me, I didn't see my child for one year. I couldn't feel her. couldn't have any experience, but that was my pain. That was me. It wasn't any problem on her side. It, it was my grief that was very large on that. So, but it is possible. It is encouraged. Uh, I, I, any way that you feel you best connect with them, do more of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, I guess the thing I was get, getting to is sometimes I think people look at some of these anomalous things where someone connects right away. Right. And my experience has been even I have friends who are, are mediums, including you, who've had loved ones pass. And it's been, you know, a year or, or longer before we were really able to make that connection. Mm-hmm. So for people like myself who, you know, and, and p- people that I work with to think, oh, I'm going to just be able to make this connection right away. And it's going to be just like it was. Yeah. For most of us, that's not the case. It really yeah. is not the case. So you, you might get a few signs and most of us do, you might get mm-hmm. the dreams and some of us get those as well too, but it just takes a little bit of time and, and you're not doing anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not grieving too much that I know a lot of people have a really challenging time with bargaining, you know, would have, should have, could have, if only what if they do not experience that over there, that that's not something that they experience but that's that phase, that stage does seem to block us slightly. I don't want to, you shouldn't get rid of it. You shouldn't try to avoid bargaining because we all do that. But that does seem to be a little fly in the ointment for this. And we can kind of, and it's hard to get to that place where you are not having those questions. I, I still have them some days. It's, it's not something yeah. that you can outgrow or get rid of. I think, again, that's just part of being human. But it's, but that does seem to to block us just slightly from having that yeah. connection and the ease of it, the ease of it. Well, let's talk about that because what you call bargain, I usually refer to as guilt. And I and mm-hmm. I see a lot of I see a, a lot of people, not just parents, a lot of people going through guilt. Right. I, I should have done this. I shouldn't have done this. This this is my fault. You know, I, I was my job to take care of them. I I, I wasn't in the car. I was in right. the car. Right. I, I was too strict. I was too lenient, you know, right. whatever. So that I find also is a block. It's a block not only to that connection, but it's also a block to dealing with your grief. Absolutely. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is, can we affect someone else's timeline to being here? Can we cause someone to leave early? The only time you have any input into that is before you come into a body. I, all of these are agreements. I think first, I know, I do not think, I know first breath, last breath are decided long before we come into our physical body. So for you and I to have lost a child, there would have been a part of there. We would have had to agree to that at some point as, and as well as our own trans, um, transition, what that's going to look like, what that's going to be. And there's lessons for everybody and all of that, but there is nothing you can do nothing at all that you could, you're just not that powerful, nor am I that we can have that much effect on someone else's decision, choice, or option of not being here anymore. Absolutely not. No, I think that allows us to be in a victim space, which is okay, because we've all been there. We've absolutely all been there, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's not necessary. And I think it's harmful and hurtful as well. If you can see that person as autonomous, even if it's our child, um, you know, that we had them, we we're parents to them, but there is a part of them that's always separate from us. We cannot control our children every day. We've all tried to do that. It's, <laughs> yes, it's, I yes. mean, it's not successful. We can never be successful on that. So as autonomous as they are in that aspect, they're also very autonomous on choosing how and when they want to leave. It's yeah. we need to learn this. We need to have these kind of experiences. And sometimes they do it for us, which is really hard to hear and really hard to grasp. That sometimes the lesson might be for us. Let's let's use Elizabeth as this Elizabeth Blisson. Had she not had lost her son, we might not have helping parents heal. Right. You know, exactly. same for Mark Ireland, same for you. We would we we are given sometimes these opportunities to grow or to shrink. And I, I wish everyone to grow in grief. Yeah. Get it? I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's uh, true. It's true. It's what we well, should do. Well, the thing is. It's 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 a shifting of perspective, and as parents, it's really tempting to look at our kids as as our property. You know, sometimes, right. absolutely, as, as, definitely as our responsibility. But they're, extension of us, but they're always an extension of us, and and when they are not here, it's a, we assume that it's a failure on our part. Yes, because it was my job to keep them right. safe. So that's why, I really, I want to I want to beat this point to death because I hear it over and over again with parents and, and with other people. It was my fault. I should right. I shouldn't have done this. 
And and if you tell me that it's a lesson for me, well, then it's it's my fault their life got cut short, you know, because I needed this lesson. Their life was cut short, which is looking at their life as like it's only one life and like they're not living right. anymore. Right. Um, yeah, I could not disagree with that anymore, although that's a space that I've been in as well, too. So I understand it, but it is not helpful. I think it's a part that we need to push through, work through, but it is never your fault. It is never your responsibility. If, if the lesson was for you, if the lesson was for your child, it does not matter. It is small picture stuff. It's what we do with the after that's important. It, yeah. That's that's the biggest part of this. And some people need a much longer to to handle, heal and to deal with the loss. And, and there are some few that get it very quickly. Um, that That's unusual for it to happen. But I think for most of us, it's a process. And we're yeah. not all going to have the same experience. We, we're all going to hit some of the same curves and roadblocks. as each other. But I think our job surviving this is to help others get through it and to help others have hope and and just find that connection. You know, we are more than this loss. Although it's horrific, it's cataclysmic. It does not have to define the rest of your life. Right. Well, I think there's something about being human. I haven't figured this part out yet that we we tend to go to this beating ourselves up. We're really good at, at, at sabotaging ourselves. And at saying this is my fault, and as you said earlier, kind of falling into victim mode, mm-hmm. which totally blocks our healing and right. can really block our connection. So the sooner we can, but but also I said I don't want people to feel guilty about that because that's just adding oh, more no. to it because it's part of the process. It, it's it's a stage of grief. If you look at the stages of grief, guilt, bargaining, which are the interchangeable here, exactly something that we all have to go through. And I think it's part of the longest stages that we go through. Some some people say it's anger a little bit, but some people don't touch on anger that much. I think it's the bargaining and the guilt that can really get us stuck. But it is an important imperative part of the healing process. We can't, we should not avoid it. We right. can't avoid it, but we should not avoid it. Well, yeah, because anything we try to avoid just comes up later. But right. What we can do is try to take the things that we're saying and look at it from a, a different perspective, as, as you you know alluded to with Elizabeth Poisson. Yeah, we but let's have... be, right, but let's be honest here, Brett. It is it is an excruciating spot that we have. Most people are going to watch in this. We know what it feels like. Um, it is the heaviest, darkest cloud that is over us for a very long time. It doesn't feel like it'll ever shift away. So looking at someone like yourself or myself, that we've kind of survived this. We've gone through that. It's still painful. There are still some moments that it's difficult, Mm -hmm. but let's be the example. This is something that you can get through and still have a really good quality of life. I really, I mean, they were been honest with you. I've been honest with everybody. There were moments where I didn't want to live, didn't think I could live, didn't know how to do this. The guilt that I felt, the, the sense of failure, the sense of loss, the sense of separation, even with the work that I do, I, I was not immune to these feelings. And I, I'm so glad I'm still here today. I, I'm just so grateful. I'm, there's been so much joy in my life that I know that I would have missed out on. Uh, and I'm glad yeah. that I'm still here. Yeah. But there were days, I, I, I just have to be honest, it was not that easy to be here. And I can echo the exact same thing. There were times that, you know, yeah. for a, a long time. And there's still, right. I still have days when it's tough. Yeah. You know, oh, I, I, had a, I had a tough time this morning. I, yeah. I had a, a picture of Shana come up a couple of days ago, a memory come up of Shana, a beautiful picture, selfie that she had taken. And I was just like, I really just wanted her to be here. Oh, yeah. It um, knocks you on your knees. You know, it, it's yeah. the emotion that comes out. And, and that's okay. That That is okay to have those experiences, but it's tough. It's It's tough. It's a journey. It's not a sprint. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, I, and I guess the thing that we're both saying to people is be where you are, where, where you're there. Don't feel guilty about it. Don't feel bad about it. It's all part of the journey, but always hold on to the hope right. that you know things can get better. Even if you can't see it right now, it, it, it does change. You're not in the same place you were the day you heard the news. You're just not. Most of us are not. Um, you're not in the same place you were two months ago, whether better or worse. It, the one constant in life is change. This will change. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes people have trouble recognizing that because it's a it's a two steps forward, one step back thing. And I've right. really noticed that with people. It's like, it's, it's like, I think I'm doing okay. And then something comes along and I feel like I'm right back where I was at the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, for I, for moms or whoever does a lot of the grocery shopping this first couple of years, brutal to go into a grocery store. You're having a good day. Then you go to the grocery store, you see something that your child or your loved one would have loved. It's you're a mess. And I know a lot of people can relate to that. So it is it is it is a journey. It is a constant journey. You're not doing. As long as you survive it, you've done it right. You've yeah. done it right. 
but so, uh, I, I, the bigger point than that, Brian, is to let everybody know that our children, our family, our loved ones in spirit, they are a part of this journey with us. They do not abandon us. They're aware of how we're doing. They're they're doing well, but they're also aware of how we're doing. And can I don't want to go interfere in that. I'm trying to they can they can help where they mm-hmm. can. They yeah. can help. But but for some of it is it's unavoidable to go through some of the pain because it does cause growth. If we allow it to, it does allow us to grow. It does allow us to be more compassionate, more open. How many of us have lost a child and then thought, oh, I I now know what that feels like for others. And it look at other parents in a completely different way. I mean, yeah. I worked with parents before I lost a child and I don't think I was as compassionate as I am after my experience. Yeah. So if that's what I got out of it, that's, that's okay. It was hard to even imagine that at the beginning, like this could be worth anything, but now I, I see the gifts in the loss. Yeah. So uh, we've kind of touched this, but I wanted, to, I wanted to bring it up even more because this is another question I get a lot of times is why would someone plan to come in for a short period of time? Why would someone plan, you know, p- people uh, transition as infants or like my daughter, you know, and, and a lot of times it gets, it's, you know, I look at my daughter, I'm like so much potential, you know, just about to graduate from, uh, from ninth grade, you know, just to just, or just graduate from ninth grade, just about to start driving a car, you know, all these things that they had planned, we thought they had planned ahead of them. So why would someone plan to cut that short? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. Whatever experiences that she wanted to have here, I can assure you she had them. Whatever lessons of growth, whatever good, fun, amazing life goals that she had, those can continue on the other side. Um, I can't answer why everyone would want to leave when they do, mm-hmm. but some people just different choose reasons, to have it. I mean, there's a million different reasons why, but I think we, again, also put the inflection on, they must be missing out in some way, or they didn't get to accomplish that when nothing could be farther from the truth. The, the, the opportunities in spirit are expansive, always expansive. And I don't want anyone to think their loved one has missed out on anything at all, yeah. because that, that just could never happen. And if you believe in God, if you don't believe in God, God is love. That my word, I call God love. We are surrounded in that love and that love could not allow anything negative to, to get on us. And it wants us to fulfill all of our dreams and goals and to be the best that we could be. That's our experience in spirit. Yeah. I think that, that, that belief and, and we do have it as, as parents, we do have it sometimes. Mm-hmm. It comes from the fact that we still see it as their life ended. We don't see it as right. the life continued. And that, and again, that comes from that lack of a picture of what the other side is like. And I, right. I've had, I've had readings with mediums that said to me that Shana says she's driving. Now, whether that's literal or not, I don't know, but she's come through and said, I'm driving. Uh, I have, yeah, I have some, I have a client just last week whose child had um, epilepsy here. So that was not something that they could ever do. And the first thing they show me, tell them I got the keys, tell them I got the keys and they were driving. I'm like, well, they've got the keys and they're driving and they were shocked. They couldn't drive here. So, you know, we're not limited and life doesn't end with our physical death. It really mm-hmm. just begins. It really, yeah. honest to God, it really just begins. And that's what I, again, I want to, I really want to reinforce that picture because it helps me. Like Shana used to always say, I wish I could fly. Mm-hmm. And again, I've had people say, first thing Shana did was she started flying, you know, when she yeah. got to the other side. And, you know, so when we think as we think about them missing out, I want to help people flip that. It's like, no, they're not, they're, we're the ones that are. are we are. The- yeah. We feel bad for us because they're having a great time. They're, they're living their best life. It's us that again, it's the physical loss that we miss. It's the physicalness of the person. You know, it's the hugs. It's the smell. It's all of those things. It's the con- this little conversations like this. That's what we grieve and grief. Let's be honest. It's a selfish act as it should be. And we are fortunate enough to live in a place and live in a time where we can have, we can experience grief and loss and really deal with it. 
if we were having this, we will, first of all, I wouldn't have had this conversation a hundred years ago, but let's say we were able to, we would be so worried about basic needs survival that this, that would not be something that we could dwell on. So we have the gift of grief at this yeah. time. So that, yeah. what a gift that is to explore how that person's life affected us, both positively and negatively and how their transition affects us as well too. But always remember that we cannot be separate. We could never be separate. Just, yeah. it's impossible. And we do go on. We really do. I, I don't know how else to describe. I, I, I have an assistant. She's, I cannot say enough superlatives about her, but I have her because I don't want to know anything about you when I have a, you're reading with anybody. I, I have a first name, sometimes an initial, sometimes people just go um, anonymous. That's how they book it. Or they give a fake name. I want this to be authentic because I have people I love there. This has to be real. Did they show up and start talking about who they were, who our relationships are, and now what they're doing there? What a gift. Like, what a gift that they actually show up to do that. Yeah. How else could that information come about if it wasn't for them? Yeah. You know, I, I love what you said about grief, you know, being selfish. And I know sometimes people cringe at that word, but it, it really is because, well, I, I take that back. There's kind of, there's two, there's two sides of grief. There's grieving for ourselves, and there's grieving for our loved one. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes people grieve that our loved one is missing out. They don't longer, they long longer exist or they're not being able to do this. So that part of grief. But that's a very small part. Yeah, but but that's a very small part of grief. If you actually think about it, when we're so sad that that part is very limited. The part that really affects us most is how the loss affects us. Oh, Mm -hmm. I no longer have my child here. I no longer can tuck her in. I no longer can do laundry. I no longer, you know, that's, but it's okay. It's as it should be with that Mm -hmm. kind of grief. But it is, it's allowing us to be reflecting that, that, that life back on ourselves. And, and we have very much the same life review as they have in spirit. We really do. After we lose somebody, we, can you tell me that you didn't think of every event that you did with your daughter after she yeah. was transitioned? You know, we really yeah. kind of look back and go, oh, I, I could have done better here. Oh, I did a great job there. As parents, a lot of us don't say, oh, rah, rah, us. We did a great job. We're much more critical of ourselves. Mm-hmm. But they're experiencing the same thing with much more compassion than we give ourselves. That's the beauty of being in spirit with that life review. When we do it here, it's hard, It's but it's also good to do, to kind of review it and go, okay, I, I have some areas where I wish I would have done better, but it's also very important to go, I have some really good memories of this person. I have some proud pat me on the back moments too. We'll get back to grief to growth in just a few seconds. Did you know that Brian is an author and a life coach? If you're grieving or know someone who is grieving, his book, Grief to Growth, is a best-selling, easy-to-read book that might help you or someone you know. People work with Brian as a life coach to break through barriers and live their best lives. You can find out more about Brian and what he offers at www.grieftogrowth.com, www.grief2growth.com, or text GROWTH, G-R-O-W-T-H, to 31996. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash grief to growth, www.patreon.com slash G-R-I-E-F, the number two, G-R-O-W-T-H, to make a financial contribution. And now, back to grief to growth. Yeah, and I love that you said that, and I've never heard it put that way. Um, and I, I've actually told, I tell people, do yourself a favor, give yourself a life review while you're here. And I'm actually Absolutely. working with a client who's doing that. We're, we're actually doing it over a long period of time. We're, we're literally going through her life and journaling the whole thing. But when, you know, we tend to, you're right, we look back on our lives, but we tend to focus on the things that we think we did wrong. Right. And it's just as important as the things that we did right. You know, and, and, I and that's find harder people... to come across, especially when you're in grief. It's really challenging to think of the good ways that you are a parent when you are grieving and missing your child. That is, yeah. I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do, but it's an important thing. You know, if you're if you're able to think of 50 things you did wrong, you should at least be able to come up with five that you did right. Right. And one day, I promise you that that list you did right is going to far exceed and outweigh the list of regrets that you have. I promise you that. Yeah, I, I like that. I really liked helping people to do that because I've, I've done that with people. So I want to put that out here now to people as you're going through, you know, the things you quote did wrong. Think about mm-hmm. the things you did right. And, you know, it's interesting because with, with me, for example, Shana was 15 and a half when she transitioned, but we homeschooled her for the first eight years of school. So I, and mm-hmm. I worked from home and my wife worked from home. 
we spent a lot of time together. And so when I think about her life, instead of me thinking, oh, I didn't get to spend that much time with her, I got to spend more time with her in 15 years than most parents do in 30 or 40 years. Right. We were together all day, every day long. And I choose to focus on that, how much great time we had together. Mm -hmm. And also maybe even being grateful or finding a space of gratitude that you were chosen to be the parents, because these things are just not happen randomly. You know, again, that's an agreement as well, too, that Shana chose you to be her dad. There was a reason for that. What was it that you brought to her life and what did she bring to yours? But the part that we gloss over so much is what did what did what did we give to them that was good? Because, again, like you said, we focus so much on the woulda, shoulda, coulda, if only, what if. It's so important to remember. Oh, remember that day we smiled and laughed over something so silly, you know, and and I was there for you. It's important to make yourself remember those events as well. Kind of balances out the sadness a little bit. Yeah, I think it does. And I and I choose to focus on that. And and so when when pictures come out, and this is I, I'm six years out. So I'm not saying this mm-hmm. happens, you know, at first with people, but when memories come up, now again, I told you the other day that that memory came up and it triggered me and I felt really right. bad. I missed her a lot. But usually when I see a memory come up, like Shane and I, when we cleaned squid together, we bought squid and she was the only one that would help me, or we but the first time I took her to White Castle, you know, for hamburgers, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I I said that was such a great time. That was such a great memory. And I want, really, but that's really sorry for interrupting you, Brian. But that's mm-hmm. so important because this is something I should mention too. I have, I have the, part of what I'm writing about is the way that they tell me that they loop back over memories, and they are so specific. With so, let's use the squid memory. Sometimes they just describe the smell, the scent, the feeling, a sensory. They tend to go over those memories and over review them, look at them, enjoy them, feel. I mean, it is. It is so important to share in those memories. The good ones are more so important than anything that you might consider bad because yeah. they have those as well, too. They kind of, they just loop and, and sit in that space. It's, yeah. it's so wonderful to know that we can do that. Yeah. So we should do that. And we should we should say, hey, look at this great thing that right? I did. I gave this child this experience. You know, I brought this child. You know, we don't bring them in, but they come through us. Right. And, and we gave them this experience. And I also want to reiterate what you said about them choosing us. The girls, right. we had never talked about this before. And when they were sitting at the table, they were like seven and four. And they said, we remember being in heaven and choosing you as our parents. That is uh-huh. not a concept that we gave them. And I've never forgotten that. And it, it makes me feel so proud that they would choose us. Um, so, you know, I hold on to that. And I, and, and I look at Shana as we're a team. She's my partner. Right. Yeah, And so this is, again, this is what I've come to from, I've had the blessing of being able to talk to people like you, you know, over the last five or six years. And this is the view that I've come to that we're, we're a team. She's in spirit Mm -hmm. right now, but this is the reason why she's in my background, because I never want to forget that she's with me every day. They are, they, they could never be apart. They really could just never be separate from us. And again, I'll say more so in spirit because there's not the ego there. I don't, I don't have to watch out for myself, but there's no, you know, I don't have to, even with parents, there's no guarding. I'm not going to yell at me to clean my room or pick that up. It's just pure unconditional love. That is what it is a hundred percent of the time. So you have a sweeter relationship with them actually in spirit. I, I know that's a poor substitute for them not being here, but it is absolutely true that it is, it's, you're able to grow the bond. We just are. It's, it's takes, it's a little challenging. It's not easy the first time for everybody, mm-hmm. but it's absolutely possible. hundred percent. And it's, it's, it's how you look at it. It's trusting that the bond is there because it's not the same. You know, I was mm-hmm. talking with the medium a couple of days ago, my wife and I were doing a reading. And my wife said, do, do I communicate with Shane or do I connect with her in meditation? Mm-hmm. And the medium corrected her and said, you connect with her all the time. Right. And so a lot of times when we're hearing that voice in our head, that imaginary conversation we're having with our kid, it's, it's not, not imaginary. imaginary. It's not imaginary at all. No, no. It's it. And also with you mentioning the, the pictures, the memories, I think sometimes they're able to kind of insert those and insert the feeling behind that as well, mm-hmm. too. I, I, I am so impressed with people in spirit. They seem much more powerful than anything you or I could ever do. And they, again, they're just it's impossible. And it's a fallacy, a lie. It's the big lie that we yeah. are disconnected with someone once we don't have them physically anymore. That is impossible. Absolutely yeah. an impossibility. Well, the other thing I've come to realize is like with Shana, for example, I mean, Shana now, if she were here, would be 21. 
So she'd be off at school. And mm-hmm. God only knows what our relationship would be like. Because Shana was a strong-willed child. So, you know, we always imagined it would be great the way it always was, but who knows? But the thing is, my my other daughter, Kayla, she lives 25 minutes away. I don't I don't get to talk to Kayla every day. I sometimes mm. don't see her for weeks. I talk to Shana every day. I mean, I right. literally talk to her every day. So in a sense, we're closer than we would be if she were mm-hmm. there. I find that true. I, I absolutely find that true. Um, I know after my husband passed away, I, I I felt him around me more. I felt a deeper connection with him, be, him being in spirit than I did when he was physically here for a long, long, long time. It, mm-hmm. it was, and he was on my, you know, and with my, your, child, your child, especially, you just always want to have that connection and going and going. Um, but it's possible for every relationship. It doesn't matter who the person was for you to continue that bond and connection. And one thing is slightly veering off of that. Just a second, Brian. Sure. When you find yourself in the grief, as all of us will, I mean, whether it's a child, God forbid, or not, it's important to remind yourself on a couple occasions, because it's something that we don't get out of our mind for a very long time. How much of the time when that person was here, did I spend my day thinking about them? That should really be a legitimate question we ask ourselves. If it was all day, then good. Then you continue doing that immediately. But if not, then I, you know, it's not possible in the beginning to do this always, but it is possible. Okay. If I thought about you an hour a day, I'm going to set aside an hour a day to spend with you in spirit. Then that's really going to give myself that maybe put a timer on it. Maybe limit that a little bit if possible. I don't know that it's always possible for Mm -hmm. for us to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but even just remembering how much that they filled your thoughts before they were not here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a great practice. It's a great thing to to do. It's We've hard gotta, to do at the beginning. So this is not beginner advice. This, this is right. maybe a couple of years down the road. Maybe for some people it is beginner advice, but for most of us, it does take some practice to get to that point of knowing and trusting and having faith. There's still around us, that little voice, that little conscience that we hear that that connectedness is them. The signs that they send us the way that they know that they're, we're okay. It's important to remember and then remember that they are still okay as we are healing. Our healing is not dependent on their being okay. Assume the best. They are okay. Yeah. And that's, that's what everybody says is that, you know, they are okay. And and we, we should assume that because again, the grief is so complicated and there's so much Mm -hmm. going on. There are a few things that we can, we can throw out, you know, or we should, we, we can, we can, I should, I don't like to use the word should, but a few things that, that we can say, I, I'm going to take a different perspective on this. One is I'm not going to feel guilty that I caused them to leave early, you know, and right. I think and that's you, a practice that that is a practice to do that, but it is, mm-hmm. that is absolute truth. That is yeah. unequivocally, you had nothing to do with their transition. None, none, yeah. even if you played a part in it, even if you were there, even if you witnessed it, you had nothing to do with it at all. Right. You're, you were just none of us that powerful. Right. And and by the way, it's not a it's not a punishment either. Because right. we, we tend to think of we think of a of a short life as a tragedy. Right. So it's like I I played a role in taking something away from them because they right. weren't here very long. Again, you know, just a couple of weeks or last week, I was having read the meeting. We were talking about Shana, you know, transition and the way Shana lived her life was. So full out. So I want to experience everything that like mm-hmm. she wasn't going to be here long. And the medium was saying, Shana's saying she never, when you talk about Shana at 18 or 20 or 21, she never planned to be here that long. That was not her plan. So right. all these things that we were worried about in the future, Shana wasn't worried about, at least on some level. Yeah. And I think, and, and although it is a taboo topic and not all of us have this experience, I think for myself, and it's not unusual for other parents to kind of have a sense of, Oh, this child we might not have forever. So I don't, you know, I just want to also put that out there that some of us had a sense or a feeling that that particular child, we might not have the same experience with as other children. Yeah. I know some people have that, you know, it's interesting. Shana gave us signs and actually flat out said at one time, she didn't want to grow mm-hmm. up. Now we didn't think mm-hmm. that meant she, she was going right. to transition at all, right. at all, but she said, I don't, I don't want to grow up. You know, I don't want to mm-hmm. We're like, Shana, you have to be an adult. You have to move out of the house. All these things are, right. I, we say to her, it's part of the deal when we come in, Shane, and we agree to do these things. And it's, I hear this coming back to me now and Shane is going, yeah, no. Right. <laughs> I, to <laughs> I told that. you I was right. I told you. <laughs> so, but the thing is, let's not look at it as a tragedy, at least from their perspective. Now we right. might feel like we're missing out and we're going to think I'm not going to have grandchildren. You know, I'm not going to get to go to the wedding, you know, those types of things. And that's fine. That's normal. That's normal feelings, but don't feel like they're missing out is, is what I want right, to get across absolutely. to people. 
And they can have those events and occasions in spirit if that's something that they choose to do. If they feel that that was unfulfilled in their life or if they, I've never seen it, but if someone in spirit felt like, oh, I didn't get to do this here, I really wanted to do it. It's certainly experience they can have in spirit as well, too. Yeah. So what do you, so what is the, re, what do you think, or if you know, what's the reunion like when we were, you know, like, so I'm, who knows oh. how long it's going to be before I see Shane again, it could be another X number of years. I hope it's not going to be too long, but um, what's that reunion? What, what do we have to look forward to? It is, it is, it is the hug. It is just the hug. It is from every part of your being is just embraced hug. It feels like we never let them go. And there is a deep understanding at that moment, that second. There is no separation. That was all, that was the big lie that we are separate from anybody or anything mm-hmm. in spirit. It is, it is a reunion like you could not imagine. And it can be, some people have it for an extended period of time before they start the life review. Some people want to do it very abbreviated. Mostly children seem to do it for a prolonged period of time. Adults, older adults in particular, they go, let's knock this life review out. But everybody, everybody has that same embrace. And we all know where we are. There doesn't seem to be any confusion of that. Someone asked me yesterday about how many readings I've done. Let's go conservatively, 800,000. Like that's a big number, but I've been doing this a long time. I've had three people out of 800,000, three in spirit that that had um, a confusion as they transition. So, I mean, I don't, I'm not a math person, but that was at 0.000001. Wow. It's so yeah. anomalous that's happened. We all seem to know where we are. We're embraced. There's recognition. If you've lost a younger child and perhaps you don't have grandparents, you don't have grandparents over there. There are other souls that would know that child angels. Some people want to see Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, things like that. We are not alone in those moments. Never alone. No one has ever expressed that to me that we are alone in this. Yeah. You just answered a question that I, I forgot to ask, but I'm glad you did because sometimes I hear people say, well, they were so young, they don't have right. any grandparents in spirit. Right. They have no oh, one there that knows them. Me, right? Who's going to watch yeah. my child? Who? What are they going to be doing? Are they, you know, is in purgatory? What? What is? You know, no. It is. They know where they are. They were just there. You know that that is that is home to them. That's their home base. So it did I yet to see confusion in a child at all? Never in a child. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I also want to reiterate what you just said about home because that's been my understanding is we. We think of this as a foreign place because we've forgotten. But my understanding is when we when we go back, everybody says, I have this feeling like I'm home. Like, like when right. you come back from a vacation or you come yeah. back from a long day at work and you walk into your house and you just you know where like you are. It, it is you can you kind of exhale and go, oh, OK, done, done. And then really, it seems that we kind of want to grade or evaluate ourselves, even children in this. They want to look back and go, did I if let's go a young child under five. Did I do these X, Y and Z that I wanted to do? Almost universally, the answer is yes. There is a sense of pride, satisfaction in that. And then we just kind of melt into, we don't, we stay our same, but we kind of just melt into that loving sense of home, heavenly mm-hmm. home. That that's that was my experience. I'm so grateful for that, but it is not anomalous. Uh, literally, I've had no child in spirit tell me that they're, they didn't know where they were. It was not a lovely, beautiful connection. They were back home. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a, that's a good thing to say, because again, I think some of us are worried, was my child, did they suffer? Right. You know, are they confused? Especially, yeah. Especially parents that have lost their child to prolonged illnesses or addiction or suicide, you know, mental health issues, things like that. There's a lot of fear that I think that we carry for them that they don't mm-hmm. carry over there. You know, immediately they put all of that down. They, they talk very succinctly about the, the stress, I don't want to go struggles because for a lot of people choosing, choosing addiction to have an experience of here, there's lessons in that as well, too. So they're very objective. They're very, very objective about the choices that they made and not a lot of self-recriminations. I'd be really hard pressed to think of five children, young people in spirit that have talked about really being disappointed with themselves. That is a really low number, Brian, like mm-hmm. really low. So it just doesn't yeah. seem to happen. We seem to really, that you show up here takes a really strong constitution that you agree to come into a body here, that you agree to show up. So I think we're all warriors to when we leave here. Yeah. yeah. For showing up. Yeah. This place is not easy. It's, right? it's, not, it's not easy for anybody. And I yeah. think, again, sometimes we we don't give ourselves enough credit as as people that are that are here and and, and continue for the way that we do that. This is a it's quite a quite a warrior thing to show right. up and, and to, to stay. And especially Absolutely. someone someone's agreed to go through, you know, what you, what you and I have gone through, which, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
it's something the hardest wants- thing in the world. I mean, let's not beat around the bush because I'm I don't I I do not want anyone to think this was an easy event to go through. Yeah, and yeah. you know, oh, it, no joke. I mean, there were many times I just did didn't think I could be here and real close to making that happen. So it was it was hard, but it is survivable, and it is something that when you go through it and you survive a little bit, then you begin to notice that you can thrive. And good news, yeah. bad news, most of us are going to survive this kind of yeah. loss. So it's, and, it's how do we deal with it the after? And I want to point out to people that you're saying this is someone who's seen spirit always. All my life. Uh, and I know, your entire I life. My entire life. But when it's your child, when it's mm-hmm. your someone that you love, you really question, much like everybody else. Is this really real? I need this to be real because I'm hurting really bad. And if this isn't real, I don't know that I can do this. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know. I think that's something we've all been through this kind of yeah. loss. So it, it's, it's tough, but it is, there is a reason behind it. Yeah. And I say that because I want people to know that you're not weak. If you feel that way, that, that uh-huh. there's nothing wrong with you because if someone, I, and I look at someone like yourself, or I remember when I listened to Mary Neal's um, story and mm-hmm. she talks about finding out her son is going to, she's been told that her son is right. going to transition early. And then when it happens, she still grieves. And I'm like, oh, of course. If she can, I knew, grieve, then- I, knew, I knew my child was not going to be here for. I knew that in every part of my being, and I did. I was so proactive, doing everything that I could do. I couldn't buy another breath. Couldn't do it. Couldn't negotiate. Couldn't do anything. And the grief was like a Mack truck hitting me for mm-hmm. a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like everybody else, thinking, what did she miss? What did everybody else miss? And you know, it it was hard. But yeah. as I've aged and as I've, I've learned, I have found that there's nothing that they are missing and there's really nothing that I'm missing as well, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think for me, it, it's believing that things are as they're supposed to be uh, in spite of how they may seem or in spite of how I may wish that they were different. Right. Um, because sometimes, frankly, we just don't know what's the best thing for us. I think our and we and we plan this, as you said, coming in. The other thing, that's the other thing I guess I want to address is like, so who plans this? Because some people say, well, God planned this and God gave me a crappy life. Um, I think that we choose this. I think that we're cho- choosing this with the help of our guide. Certainly everybody that we come in and have these intimate relationships with. So certainly you would have chosen this with your daughter, with your wife, with your other children as well, too. Um, we are sometimes advised not to take on so much, but we're never prohibited from doing that. Um, but uh, you know, you certainly wouldn't take on something that you could not handle accomplishing in any way. And just sometimes some of us choose to take a bigger portion than others. And I'm like, what, what in the world were we thinking? You know, remind me to talk to myself over there because this is a lot, but it is, you know, you make the choice. There's agreements. And, and with the knowledge and the understanding that this is transitory, this place, this is not real. This right. is the dream spot. That's the real space. That's where everything is always connected. And that's the key, uh, Isabella. When people say, I would have never chosen this, that's because you're stuck in the mindset of this is permanent. Right. That this is real. If you if you look at it from a, I look at analogies, I think help a lot. So when you go to the gym, when you're in the gym and you're on that machine, you're you're doing bench press or whatever, and it's hurting. You don't say I would I didn't choose to do this. You're like, of course I chose to do this because I know I it's going to make me stronger. Word on the exercise stuff because that's not a place like that. That is not a place that I'm familiar with. But you're right. It is yeah, but we 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 do we choose things, and I I think about like you know. Another analogy, when you take your kids to give them a shot, right? And and they get the they get the injection and they're screaming and crying. Why would you right. do this to me? We're, well, I'm doing this to you for your own good. So our higher self chooses things for ourselves and knowing that we can't really get hurt, that we really can't mess this up, that we really can't fail. But let's kind of be clear about what that higher self is. It, it, our higher self is our self before we come down into our body. So we right. are, you know not some like is there another isabella out there somewhere is there another brian it is it is the part of yourself that is whole it's that little drop of god that we all are that knows okay my soul would really like to learn this maybe i've tried to learn another lifetimes i wasn't as successful as i wanted to be or maybe this is my first time trying this so we'll come in and and negotiate there's a lot of negotiation your daughter would have had to agree or maybe she negotiated with you this is something she wanted to experience you're like i don't know so it's negotiation it's give and take and then we come in and we should not remember. We should not remember these because if we remembered, then really how how much would we be learning? I would always kind of know, uh, 
this isn't exactly real. So we could have some magical thinking going on. I think it's important that we don't remember the why. Yeah. Always. Well, actually, there's two things I want to say. One, I like you kind of correct me on the higher self, but I'm going to talk about that because that sounds such a lofty thing. Maybe a better term to be would say our true self. Because yeah. we, that is, uh, that's who we really are. This is the, this is the avatar. This is the, right. the the squeezed down mini version of us that forgets who we really are. And also that, that this squeezed down version of yourself has also been affected by everyone else's squeezed down version. So if I'm if the first second I'm born, what happens to me I'm immediately smacked mm-hmm. on the butt and there's people that I don't know. It's a sterile room. There, it, it's, it's a frightening, terrifying experience to be born. Then we go to school Maybe the teacher doesn't love us. Maybe there's conflict with our friends. So we start to lose that sense of our perfect self pretty quickly coming in. And we start to absorb and take on everyone else's opinion of us. So, you know, to remember your highest self is what I think we should all try to do and aim to do. But it's really challenging in a body to remember we are pure. We are perfect. I am not a reflection of your opinion of me at all. That's your I am. I am here for what I can teach you always. And same for you, for me. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think that's so important, you know, and it's funny because I've been uh, my dreams are becoming more and more lucid. And, mm-hmm. and I, I kind of look at this world as kind of a, a dream. And so as we're learning this stuff, we're becoming more and more lucid. And, you know, I had a dream last night and sometimes I'll get in tough situations in the dream. I'm just like, wake up and I wake up. Um, so that happened last night, actually. So we can we can do things to work on uh, it's, it's like the movie, the matrix, getting out of the matrix, seeing right. through the matrix. And that just opens up a whole new world. And, and it makes this world seem so much more tolerable. Mm-hmm. And know that that is your child's experience as well, too. They have reconnected with that perfect sense of themselves. They no longer have an illness, an earache, or didn't do their homework, didn't get to drive today. They are living their perfect highest existence. And, yeah. and they want that for us, or they want us to remember that about them as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I I think they absolutely do. And what I'm hoping to get out of out of this conversation with you today for for people that are listening is that that reminder that that it's it's something we already know, you know. And right. so if this if this is resonating with you, if you're listening to this and you're thinking eh, that that sounds kind of familiar, it's because you you know it somewhere in the back of your mind, and we just need to bring it forward. Yeah. And it's again, it's not easy to get to this space. It wasn't like you and I mm. woke up one day and like, oh, I'm um zen now that's not that's not reality for most of us we don't have that easy experience it's hard work to learn these lessons i don't want to use the word lessons because that sounds punitive it's hard to have these experiences and come out Mm -hmm. of them with something that's positive in the beginning but it is possible it is absolutely possible to do that and again i just reiterate whatever way works for you to connect with your child do that do that, do that. And please, please, please assume the best. Assume that they are with us because they're in the spot of love. And as much as you love them, that's returned and reciprocated. And they want you to feel that. And it's not something we always feel or feel often, even especially in the right. beginning, but it is attainable. It absolutely is attainable. You're doing nothing wrong, by the way, if you don't have that right at this moment, because most of us don't sit in that always. We just don't. Even, no. even when they're here, I don't feel that lovey-dovey about everybody all the time. It's, it's right. just not possible, but it is possible to have those moments of that again. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, because and I always try to be real, just like you are with people. Um, I don't live even in the space where we we're talking about right now all the time. This is where oh, I try okay. to live. Right. And this is why I do what I do, because I always want to be reminding myself because I have to. Otherwise, I will fall into what was me. You know, I've got this trouble. I've got that right. trouble. This is always going to be this way. All these things are human. These are part of the human experience that we we came here to have these emotions. But if you were allowed to allow yourself to go back into that space and what how would that honor your child and the work that you're doing now? To, to, that's because of her. You know, I don't know what you did before this, but certainly afterwards, the amount of people that you've been able to touch and reach into their life and encourage it's phenomenal. So that's an honor to your child as well, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is I don't live in this space every moment of every day. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's even, in, even, you know, this is why I do my mindfulness. I do my meditation right. every day. Why I do all the practices I do, because it's, it's human. We're, while we're in the body, as you said earlier, it's hard to keep this, that connection because our, our ego is here to keep us alive. Our ego right. looks out for danger. It looks out for fear. It says, look out for that. Watch out for this. And so that's our ego. It's not our enemy. It's there to protect us. Right. 
But sometimes we gotta we have to rise above that and say, no, everything's okay, you know. Well, there's a bit something that I've recently learned, and I can't believe it took me 50 plus years to learn is there's a big difference between fear and danger. And I had been succumbing to fear long time in my life. And I realized I, I can kind of reevaluate and readjust that. Is there an imminent danger coming toward me or is this a fear? If it's a fear, I have to push through. I have to, I have to walk through it. I I force myself to go through things that I fear. It gives me anxiety, caution. I, I, I'll make myself do it because that's how we grow. That's how I grow. Yeah. The fear, you pay attention. The danger, you pay attention to. The fear, you just kind of push through. Yeah, I was talking to someone just a couple of days ago and they were doing something. They said, well, I'm, I'm not courageous because I'm afraid. You know, I'm doing it. I said, no, you, that means you're actually courageous. The if, most you were, courageous. If, you did, if you didn't have any fear, that's not courage. If you do something you're right. not afraid of, that's not right. that's not courage. Courage is being afraid and doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. So you're, you know, fear, fear is there and we need to push through it. But you're right. We need to look out for danger. The other thing that I've realized, and this was just actually early this week, it came to me, I was talking to a client, you know, the difference between worry and uh, planning. So, because we need to plan for the future. I said, if you, if you can do something about something, then that's planning. We need to plan for retirement. We need to plan for Mm -hmm. things like that. But if you're sitting there and you're thinking about something that you can't control, that's going to happen in 20 years. That's worrying and that we can let go of. And you can also loop that back around to the loss as well, too. Uh, am I worrying about something that's already happened that I would have had any control over when they exactly. were here? I mean, it, these things are not separate yes. in themselves. Yes. You know, because I don't know about you, but for me, after losing a child, my sense of fear and anxiety and worry just went through the roof for a very long time. It emanated through every other part of my life because I wanted to control it. I didn't want to ever feel that loss again. I just yeah. thought, Ooh, worst pain ever. Never want to go through. And I still, to just super honest, I still have a lot of avoidance, especially with my children. You know, I just don't, I will avoid, do everything I can to never feel that pain again. But could I control it? I I can't control what anyone else does. I can't control their choices. I can, I can work on my sense of safety and trust in the universe that I am taking care of, even if it does not appear to be so right at this moment. Yeah. Especially honestly, when it does not appear that I am. Yeah. Honestly, I have a little bit of both. On the one hand, I learned that I can't control everything because Shana passed away in her, in her bedroom. There was right. nothing I could do about it. So that I learned that lesson. But on the other hand, I do have PTSD. Like my daughter, mm-hmm. other daughter called sure. me earlier today. And she never calls and when she, and every time she calls or something wrong. So, yep. you know, the, the phone rings and this is actually one time she just needed help. She was at Walmart and she needed, you know, she didn't be you know, my, my advice or something, but yeah, when the, when the phone rings and it's Kayla or something, I still like go to. Oh, a lot of us do. Uh, oh, no, a lot of us do. And there's certain times you don't ever want to get a call after 11 or 12, like those are never good, but it is, it's possible to kind of let that go, breathe through it and find that center again. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that I have to do frequently, but it is possible to kind of get myself back in those moments. To yeah. Do it. And, and, and it comes back to believing that ultimately everything is going, going to be okay. And I can get to that point pretty quickly, you know, now something, yeah. something happens and I'm like, this is terrible. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. It's not that bad. You know, it's, it's really not that bad in the scheme of things. Well, once you've been through this kind of loss, like I said, the trying to avoid ever feeling that pain again, but it, it, and that's the part where we can kind of look back and go, oh, I'm trying to avoid that pain for myself. So again, mm-hmm. selfishness is not a bad word. I, I'm of the mindset. It, it just shouldn't be a four letter word. It is a way of to protecting ourselves, but is mm-hmm. it, is it doable? Not really. You know, yeah. it, it's something it's, it, it's very rarely successful. Yeah. Well, they're challenges. We, we set, yes. they're, they're challenges to being human. I, I think it's that way by design. And the other thing I've come to learn is earth is a pain school. It's it, mm. the pain is designed into this experience. You're, you're not it's going immersion. to avoid it. It is a hundred thousand percent immersion. We learn everything over there, you know, book wise clinical. And then we come down here and we actually do the work, which is, we couldn't have the same experience as being rubbed in a certain way or, or a challenge in this area that those don't really exist in spirit. This is mm. the only place where we put everything into action that we've learned. Yeah. That, 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 that's reminds me. I just want to bring this up to you. It's kind of a, a, an aside. I've so I've talked to so many people that say, this is my last time here. I'm never yeah. doing this again, especially again, parents. So mm-hmm. how do you feel about when people say that? Oh, I knew immediately I, when I had my NDE that was within 30 seconds, I was like, oh, I'm going to come back and do this again. I know I'm going to do it again. It was something so trivial that I had done to someone else when I was six years old, but I was like, 
no, no, I really, I could see how I made that person feel. And I want to correct that. I want, mm. I know, I mean, I don't, when I was in the beginning of this, the first five, seven years, I thought there is no way I would ever come back. Now I am hopeful to come back. Yeah. It, it's kind of funny. Cause same. I was, I was the same. I'm yeah. like, never doing this again. Never doing right? this. And now when I hear people say that, I just kind of snicker. I'm like, yeah, yeah right. Okay. Yeah, what yeah, it's okay. I, You're I, gonna, you might change your mind. You might not, but you, yeah. most of us, I think would want to come back and do it. Oh, the, and yeah, and what if you were given the opportunity to have this long experience with your child or the person that you love? You know, what if it looked delightful? It Life very rarely is painful. I, we've come in here to have these experiences. It does not have to be painful always. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. There's so much more beauty outside of the pain. But the pain has to show up. Yeah, it's part of it. Well, Isabella, I really appreciate you having this oh, conversation with me. Thank you, uh, Brian. Uh, we didn't talk, but I, I do want to touch on you are you're working on a book or maybe mm-hmm. even more than one book. So I want to yep. let people know that. Well, one is about what do they do over there all day? So it yeah. would really be I, there's I think I've got five people in spirit that I have really strong connections with mostly young people that really just fill me in with all the details on what is it like to be in spirit prolonged sense of, of it over yeah. there. So yeah. go into a lot of details of that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, when that comes out, you have to come back. And let me know. I will. Let, I will do that, Brian. Thank you. All right. Well, it's great talking to you. You have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to Grief to Growth. Brian hopes that you find this episode helpful and will come back for future episodes. Brian's best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted Not Buried, is a great resource for anyone who is coping with grief or knows someone who is. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, there are three things you can do to help. The first is to share the podcast with someone that you think it will help. The second is to go to iTunes, rate, and review the episode. The third way you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron. Head over to www.patreon.com slash grief to growth. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash grief, the number two, growth, and sign up to make a small monthly donation. Patrons get access to exclusive bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and grief to growth, visit www.grief2growth.com. Hey there, if you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.